0: Hi there, and welcome to How To with Ann Malum. When deciding to do this podcast, I really wanted to create something that could give people real tools on how to execute on certain things. So often we talk about things on such a macro scale that yes, leaves people inspired, but with no real idea on what the steps are to make something in their own life happen. I challenge and encourage and probe my amazing guests to get granular and specific on their strategies, their mindset, their tactics, And their methodologies so that you can learn practical, actionable steps to best optimize your confidence, career, health, and wealth. What's up, everybody? And welcome to How to with Ann Malam. I am thrilled to have Kim Daly with us today. Kim's How to is how to build wealth by choosing the right franchise. Kim is a franchise consultant and has spent the last 20 years helping people achieve financial freedom by enabling them to find the perfect franchise opportunities. Her skill from matching a client's background, interests, skills, finances, and life goals to the ideal opportunity has made her one of the top franchise consultants in the country. Today, we are here to gain insights into what can seem like a daunting process deciding on the perfect franchise to enable you to gain financial freedom. Kim, thanks for much. Thanks so much for joining us. I'm so happy you're here. I am happy to be here. Thank you for that warm introduction. Of course. Can you just give people a little bit of a background about who you are and, and how you got to be doing what you're doing? Yeah, because it's not so obvious, right? <laughs>
1: so, yes, as you mentioned, I'm a franchise consultant. I've been doing this for 20 years, but I did not wake up when I was, you know, a little girl and go, oh, yeah. You franchise consulted. Uh, I started out on the road to medical school. I answered a classified ad in the newspaper for a franchising company. Literally changed my life. But it really didn't because when I was 15, I told my parents, I want to be a motivational speaker. But I didn't know how to do that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So I saw go to medical school. And then I ended up just casually go to medical school. (laughs) uh, Well, I was I was a straight A student and I love science. So I'm like, I want to help people. I want to, you know, I'm with athletes. So I was going to go to medical school. Anyway, I woke up, you know, when I was about 40 years old and realized, look at me, I'm a motivational speaker. Like every day I get to influence people, inspire people, coach people. I built this YouTube channel, and I get to be guests on podcasts, and I'm like living the dream over here. And amazing, it was all going to be through franchising. What made you click on that ad in the
0: first place when you saw that? What about what about working at a franchise company that excited you?
1: Oh, that's such a great question. That had nothing to do with franchising. So I was a t- I went to Boston College, and I was a part of the um, uh, telemarketing alumni association, like telemarketing mm-hmm. uh, center, and Every single night that I was on the phone, I raised more money for Boston College than any other student. So nice. the telemarketing ad caught my attention because I knew that it was a skill that I had. Yeah, that's why that's why that that was the connection. And um, and then it ended up being for a franchising company, which I knew nothing about franchising. And after a few days on the job, they offered me a full time one year position. And of course my father was like don't do it you'll never go to med school and i was like the idea of like taking a break doing something different with my brain not just like studying getting into making money i'm like i'm gonna do it but of course my dad was right i never went to med school <laughs> and i never looked back so i became an entrepreneur after that at 25 and i've been self-employed since i was 25 years old
0: okay amazing so let's 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 get right into it honestly because i talk to a lot of entrepreneurs and also, you know, my company, Core. everybody thinks it's franchise, but it's not. But I have looked into franchising. I feel like I know a fair bit about it, but I want to, like, if you're meeting someone for the first time and they say, gosh, I know I'm entrepreneurial, but I feel like it might be good to have some structure, someone else kind of thought through some of the business stuff. Wh- what is the process? Where do you start to help somebody figure out what might be a good fit for them?
1: Right. So great question. Um... The very first thing I want to know about somebody is why they want to invest in a business, like what their goals are. So the way that I look at the franchise is, first of all, franchise is an investment, so it requires money. But the business really is a vehicle that can drive your life personally, professionally, and financially to a new place. So the more clearly people can communicate to me where they want to end up, then the easier it is for me to identify the best vehicle to get you from here to there. So, Anne, most of the time when people think about owning a business, they think about what they know, like, I love to work out, I want to own a gym, or they think about what their community may be missing, Oh, we don't have a UPS store, like, I should own a UPS store. Um, But in my opinion, in my 20 years of experience, those are not the best methodologies for matching outcomes, like creating, building wealth uh building toward financial freedom building toward quality of life goals so it's better to sort of look at a business that can drive those financial outcomes and create the lifestyle you want because what i find is when we find those two things most people fall madly in love with the business even if it's something they never thought they would be qualified to own before meeting kim daly that's that's great and we're going to dive in deep to some stories cuz I want to hear
0: more but it's it's interesting because I think when when people come to me for advice on starting a business the first question I ask them is you got to really understand what the day to day of running x business is going to look like and so often we we romanticize about the thing being so successful you know restaurants right oh i love the idea of just all of these people having a great time kind of connecting You know eating this food and this thing but like the day-to-day process of running a restaurant is way different than just walking around and making sure everybody is having a good time again do you know how to manage people inventory alcohol license if you're getting that you know perishable items there's just there's just a lot to know so is that a big part of it for you with the methodology piece of just sort of figuring out what people are good at and then plugging that into okay
1: that makes sense for this type of franchise hundred percent. Once we get past goals and dreams, mm-hmm. then we talk specifically about what businesses cost and how money and time are related. So I do a little bit of education and then we really get into sort of like the finer characteristics of what do you wake up and do? Like, are you a business developer, salesperson? Are you a manager of people and teams and process? Are you a, a great operator? More like do you see yourself as the CEO sort of, either, you know, just like managing it all, but not, you know, working on it, not in it. So mm-hmm. and then from there we talk about you know does it need to be something sexy because sometimes it does sometimes people want to be like yes that's my business and then other times people are like I don't really care what it does I just want to make money and have free time you know and right the types of people that you create jobs for because you know different businesses require different skill and in franchising we have companies like in healthcare that require nurse practitioners or or clinicians of some kind. And then, we, you know, in junk removal, you need a general laborer and the tons of trade skills in the middle of that. So to your point of what's that day to day life look like, who do you want to wake up and create jobs for and empower? And, you know, I love it when someone comes to me and says, my core skill is to help other people level up. Like, I want to be a great manager and employer in my community. Like, that's amazing, right? That's a goal that gives that gives them pride of ownership. And it makes it more when we talk about wealth, building wealth, it's not just money like a, a person who finds themselves passionate about what they do every day. That's wealth. yeah, right? of course, a person who has the lifestyle they want, the freedom and flexibility they want, the legacy for their family, working with their kids or their spouse, if that's their goal, that's wealth. So it's more than just a financial definition. It's it's a, it's a more universal sort of all encompassing definition.
0: Yeah, and those questions, you know, again, I was reading uh, Harvard Business Review, some of the articles in there, and I, 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 we don't talk enough about getting really granular about what it is you're good at. And I'll give you a story just even about myself because you'll you'll get it. But when I, when I started SolidCore, I didn't know what I was doing. I had to be in it because I needed to learn. I needed to be coaching. I needed to be like, how do I do this? Because otherwise you don't know who you need to hire and whatnot. And I was the quarterback of that company for you know eight seven seven eight years and and built it to to seventy five studios and hired a great COO who then I promoted to be CEO and I had did it did that before with back on my feet and now starting another company and I'm like I don't want to be the quarterback of this company I want to be the coach I want to be the one where I hire a team up front and I I know the plays to run. And I want to hire experienced players so that we can open three locations, you know, within six weeks of one another because we have the playbook and the experience. But at Solid Core, I, I was coaching 20 hours a week and I'm like, I'm not coaching. It's another fitness business. I called Ambition. I'm like, I'm not coaching here. I'm not getting it. Like, I'm not doing any of those things here. We need to build entirely process structure people from the very get-go. And I was really deliberate about that because I didn't want to have the same experience at at ambition that i had at celicore i don't i want a different ceo in this business within a year from now running it so that i can be the exec chair and you do kim you have to be really deliberate about these questions and understand how do you want to be spending your time on this business and i'm really curious about something you said do you really get people who are like i really don't care what it is i just want to make money i'm curious when you hear people answer that if they open a franchise are they successful because i've always been of that mindset you gotta like love it you gotta like eat breathe your business and if someone doesn't care too much actually about the business talk to me about some of the success stories you've seen there because
1: i wouldn't have guessed that oh my gosh so everything you just said i'm gonna say this when you went from quarterback to saying i want to be the coach so that's the difference between an entrepreneur starting a business and a franchisee investing in a proven process and system. Mm -hmm. So as the CEO of your own franchise, you could open three units in six weeks from each other because the playbook is there. The operational manuals are there and there's people there teaching you how to do that versus the entrepreneur as you were the first time without the experience you have to be in it because you don't know what you don't know when you're making it up mm-hmm. as you go. So that alone, what you have learned, your learning curve already is sort of has you at that level of, um, that you sound like a franchise or for sure. So mm-hmm. it, when people come to me and say, Kim, I don't really care what the business is. Yes. I just want to make money. And the vast majority of people, by the time I present companies to them, that's where they are mm-hmm. because, It, it, at the end of the day, this is a business. It's not a hobby. You are not going to be toiling in it. You are working on it, not in it. So yes, you have to like and respect the kind of people that you're going to hire to do the job, but it's not going to be you. If you want to scale a business from zero to seven figures in one year or two years or whatever it is, and you want to grow to multiple territories or multiple locations, you cannot spend even six months working in the store or in the business you have to have that foundation from the beginning, right? A foundation that's built for a multimillion dollar business or a foundation that's built to support a skyscraper is different than the foundation that's gonna be built for a single story ranch. Mm-hmm. And that's the difference, right? So it, it's an, it's being intentional intentional about what you want in three to five years and starting with the right mindset, money, and then franchise your partner. Because there's a lot of franchisors out there that want an owner-operator. They want somebody to be in the trenches. But then when you come to me, I know which franchisors want empire builders. I know which franchisors are going to push their franchisees to go from zero to a million in 12 months. So that's why when people come to me, we're buying down the learning curve of how to explore a franchise because I have these 20 years of relationships. I know what companies, you know, like full-time operators, which ones people can keep a full-time job and hire a full-time manager to work in their business while they keep their full-time job so they can, you know, kind of balance all of the plates, if you will, until the business is profitable enough to leave the job. So I'm so, I'm so, this is fascinating. I'm also so interested.
0: Is the individual paying you who comes and says, Kim, help me figure this out? Or does the franchise pay
1: you to bring this person or maybe a little bit of both? Great question. My services are totally free to the candidate. So Mm -hmm. like you just mentioned, I'm paid by the franchisors. So instead of franchisors, like coming in, having hundreds of organic leads and having to sift through those and not know like who's really serious, who lives in a market they have open and viable, who is financially qualified or going to trade shows and like wasting weekends, trying to again, trying to maybe nobody's even going to walk through the trade show if it's a beautiful weekend. And There's low, low traffic at the expo. So they can come to consultants like Kim Daly and say, Hey, we're looking for people with this much money who live in these markets, who have these skills. If you like them and you bring them to us, we like them and award them a franchise, we'll pay you a fee. So all of my consulting fees are um, paid for by franchisors. It has nothing to do with me or the candidate that's agreed to by my franchisor, which is called FranChoice and the franchisor uh, company. So. I'm actually supported, like a franchisee, by a company called FranChoice. Got it. And so how are you finding people?
0: Are people coming to you? And how are you vetting these people to know, you
1: know, and and how many people are, are you working with on a yearly basis? I work with a lot of people. So a lot of people wake up, have the dream, but the reality is money and timing are the two biggest reasons that people will funnel out of my process fairly quickly. So when I work with somebody, Anne, in order to get you comfortable, like competent in the due diligence you've done so you can be confident in your final answer, that's about a one to a two-month process. But since I've been doing this for a really long time, I always tell people, look, if this is not the right place for you, whether it's franchising is not the right box for you or the investment for you, or financially it's just not the right time for you or timing. Like maybe you're so busy with your kids and your work You don't even have the time to put into exploring properly we're gonna figure those things out within one to two weeks so people don't spend a lot of time with me to figure out this is not the right thing but obviously on the other side of that that means i'm not spending a lot of time with people who it's probably not going to work out for either which enables me to spend my time with more people who it is going to work out for and that i mean that's how i've really scaled my business is to a very very large consulting practice. I work with a lot of people, but not everybody is right for this. But when people say, "So Kim, are you going to tell me if this is not, if this is the right thing for me?" I'm like, "Absolutely not. Like it's not my job to play God with your life, you know?" It's mm-hmm. through the years and the reality is there are people that I've met that I when I was a young consultant and I thought to myself, "Oh, girl, Please do not let this person say yes. Like I, I don't want this on my conscience. And I have one person particularly in mind. Today, he's a franchisee in a system of over 900 franchisees. He is, he is um, one of the top 25 performers, not the 25 percent. Mm-hmm. One of the top 25 performers. Like that franchise changed his life. Yeah, he has a multi-million dollar business, and if I. Had tried to play God with his like 10 years ago, I would have been like, I don't know if you should really do this, but he wanted it. And so that it goes to the same question when people are like, you know, why, why am I, how do I know if I'm going to be successful? Or can you, you know, can you tell me your success, you know, your success rate? I don't own the success rate because mm-hmm. I, I'm like the matchmaker. I'm like eHarmony. Okay, yeah. So I'm getting to know you. I know the franchise owners. I'm putting you together on a blind date, and I'm gonna be like, okay, go see what happens. Then we're gonna get into a courtship, and I'm gonna teach you how to date and like make sure you're like thinking about all the things. Go meet the crazy family, which is the other franchise owners. Make Mm -hmm. sure it's all feeling good, like a culture that you like, people that you respect. It feels like a a place where you can grow personally and professionally. Because to your point earlier, personal and professional growth and is ultimately what will lead to money growth, right? If you're okay. in it just for money and you're just all about the bottom line, but you're not willing to grow personally or professionally, the reality is you'll fail, mm-hmm. right? But if you come in looking to partner with people who can challenge you and motivate you and inspire you to dream bigger, to keep growing and pro- pro- you know provide standing uh, standard operating procedures that allow you to scale your business, And therefore you're growing and how to do that. And you're chasing the growth and serving other people, then you make money. So, you know, my process is designed to help people kind of get focused on that and lead them to a yes or no, but whether they say yes or no, it's on them and Mm -hmm. I don't own their success after they say yes or their failure after they say yes, because I have no control over how they show up. And what they do once they say yes, my role in this is from I'm thinking about owning a business to a yes or a no. That's it. That's all I can control. Yeah, I uh,
0: I heard this when I was raising money at at Solid interviewing you know private equity shops and whatnot. And this one uh, one woman I'll never forget. I'm still in touch with her. She says, "And money follows. It doesn't lead. And it's it's just so right. If you produce a good product, if you run a good business, if you treat your people well, if you understand." You know, the math on what you should be um, charging versus what you're making and all of this stuff. And you're in it, you're in it for the right reasons. You know, m- money follows a, a really great, consistent business execution. And I, I'm in the fitness business, and it's always interesting when people start to talk about, you know, certain concepts that maybe aren't doing so well anymore. And I'm like, it's not that the concept itself is people are tired of the concept. There are business and operational decisions that, there was missteps there. It's not that people are overspinning. You know, I really don't believe that. It's like you have to make the continued business decisions um, and not just rely on, you know, this is the thing that people do, is it a bad, it's not. So so tell me when you see, so a couple of things, I guess, when, how much money do you recommend? And is it really just actual cash upfront or percentage of net worth? Like, where do you see a sweet spot when someone comes to you and says, I wanna do this? I'm sure you talk about finances. How much money do you like somebody to have and what percentage of their net worth do you think should be invested in a franchise?
1: Okay, so there are franchise investments that are 40, 50, 60,000 all in and there are franchises that are three, four, five million dollars all in, mm-hmm. right? So part of what I do up front with people, and is to help them really understand what their money buys. But we're going to gather your net worth before we do anything because I only want to talk about franchises in relation to what you'll qualify for and where I'm not going to put you in a position where you're betting the farm. Right. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not like so if, if you decide you're doing that, it's on you. But Kip Daly does not want to bring you a million dollar investment. If your net worth is a million dollars, right? Like sure. it's got to feel like relative to your risk tolerance. And we measure that. I have different questions to measure that. But um, it's got to feel like, you know, you've got enough for the investment and then some because like building a house, you know, it always takes a little more than we want it. It takes a little longer and a little more money than we think it's going to. And if it doesn't, amazing, then you have a cushion. But if you need it and you don't have it, you're in that statistic of why, you know, the number one reason that businesses fail, they just run out of money. So yeah. I like, personally, my sweet spot is, um, like if you have a million dollar net worth, I think a good investment is two to 300,000 all in but that's just my comfort level and i certainly have to talk that out with every single person because sometimes people have big 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 networks and they're more risk averse than people who you know so it depends on where you are in your life and what you may be trying to get to in a shorter or a longer amount of time you know and that all determines people's propensity to take a risk Mm -hmm. right if you lose your job at 52 and you're like, I'm not going back. I am gonna create my own future because if I go back and I get laid off at 55, I'm that much older and that much harder to employ, right? Yeah. I get people who are in that much pain at this fork in the road through no fault of their own. And so they're determined those people might take a bigger risk, right? Right. But if somebody's like, you know, in, in theory, Kim, I could retire if I wanted to, you know, maybe they have a 3 five, ten $5, $10 million net worth relative to their quality of life. They have plenty of money, but it's a nice too. I'd love to have a business, something to do on the side or something meaningful to play with. Like that model is harder for me than the guy who just lost his job, right? Because even if the person has a bigger net worth, just because they're not as hungry, you get it? I mean, yeah, I totally.
0: I took all of my money, literally, and I didn't end up having to use it all because the solid course are well for it. But I had a, I saved one hundred seventy five thousand dollars by the time I was thirty two, and I was like, I am, I am all in, and I got an offer from a, a friend I'm, I'm still friends with today. He was a mentor of mine and a board member at my prior nonprofit. And before we opened, I just remember. You know, oh my God, am I am I being foolish? Like, you know, that, that was a lot of money. It was all my money at the time. And he offered me $75,000 for 30% of my business that wasn't even open. And I'm just like, gosh, maybe that's smart. Maybe I should do that. And for me, I, thank goodness I didn't um, because it was like, okay, I don't need this money. This is me just hedging my bets. And if I am doing that, that's already communicating doubt. And if I have doubts about this, I just shouldn't do it. And so there's no reason for me to give away that kind of equity. And and I am the kind of person, if I go all in, failure is not an option for me. I will figure it out some way, somehow. I like the pressure. The pressure does good things for me. But exactly as you said, some of these questionnaires you ask folks, you got to kind of figure out what you have the stomach for, what you have the personality for. And you'll find this interesting. And I said this on an earlier podcast, when people ask me, oh my gosh, and how did you have the guts to start this nonprofit so young and go all in and build it from, you know, whatever. And I'm like, you know, I really think it's the more, the more like data you have about your life points. Like I went away for college when I was young. I moved to DC for grad school with, with four people I'd never met before in a city I didn't know anything about. Like what's the subway? Like I didn't know any of that, but I figured it out. And I just had so many of those examples before the business idea happened in my personal life of, I've actually figured out a lot. I'm pretty resourceful. So it didn't feel as scary. And if you've got somebody who, who never had taken any risk in their life, maybe lived in the same house, never left, hasn't left the country, you, you learn a lot about somebody's risk tolerance by simply asking some of those questions and what they're going to be comfortable with.
1: Totally. And there's some great news is there's investments for everybody. You know, they're very proven, established brands, data, track record, history, longstanding multi-billion dollar franchisors that have every bell and whistle for the most conservative person to check every box and feel absolutely safe. And then my really adventurous people who would suffocate in that environment, There is, you know, like the back of, on a a motorcycle and the fast lane going 80 miles an hour without a helmet on a pioneering new fitness thing, you know, but I'm all in, let's go. Right. And there's options in between. (laughs) And so come to me, part of what we're doing again is assessing, because I don't want to blow you out of the water if you're more conservative, but I also don't want to drown you in boredom and data if you're a person who doesn't need all of that. Um, And some people have the tolerance to be one of the first pioneering franchisees, which I would say that, you know, imagine if you got to be an original investor in Massage Envy, right? Massage Envy created a membership for Massage. They are the inventors of that. Mm -hmm. So they came to market and they had the the pioneering franchisees had work to do. They had to educate the market about what you got for a membership in a massage. Mm Mm-hmm. Once the world woke up about seven, eight, nine years later or something like that. And even members were like, I love this. How do I get one? All of the good territories were gone, but that's when those pioneering franchisees had their first exit strategy moment where they could be like, well, if you want one, there's no more territory. You can buy mine, pay me an eight multiple of what I built and I'll go away. And I've seen those sort of exit strategy moments for these you know, the next big American brands like the Planet Fitnesses of the World, the Orange Theories, mm-hmm. the Massage MVs. There's, there's so many brands that we know today that had a moment in time in their history where it went from pioneering to now everybody knows it. And that's when those pioneers get to check out if they want to. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Super, super fascinating stuff. And, and for anybody listening who's thought about entrepreneurship, man, Kim, fr- franchising is a really great a bite at the apple because you have so much support around you. Someone has figured out the real estate, the marketing, the ops. They have the systems in place for you, the technology, the booking system. Like you don't have to. Which frankly, is setting up this sex business, I mean, it's so much work in that regard. The legal side, I mean, a legal administrative recruiting training, making an HR book. I mean, it's it's so much work, and all of that stuff is done. So if that's not something you're skilled in or your sweet spot. But you you know you've got a good business mind. You know you're great with people. You, you, you know certain other things. Like, it's really nice
1: knowing those things are taken care of. Absolutely. You're buying down the learning curve, like you said, because you're partnering yourself with people. So the way that I look at it is, so an entrepreneur may spend three to five years just sort of flushing out their model and perfecting it, right? Mm-hmm. And how many of them statistically even make it to the five-year mark? Like, statistically, 90% of them don't. They fail before that. But over here in franchising, that's not a statistic that's owned in franchising. So every franchise that you would look at will have to disclose their failure or success rate to you in their franchise disclosure document. But that same business person looking for an investment can buy down that learning curve and from day one be moving toward profitability, knowing that the marketing is reaching the right customer, knowing how to treat the customer, where to find the best employees, where to source the best product. So all of those... Uh, There's no trial and error. We're not reinventing the wheel. We're executing and moving toward profitability from day one. So that same franchise owner or business owner, if he's comparing entrepreneurship versus franchising, has the opportunity to scale, which is always where the wealth is created, right? It's never going to be about one location, one cleaning crew, one truck, you know, one 1-800-GOT-JUNK truck. It's always going to be, how do I multiply my time or how do I multiply you know, the location or my crews or um, my equipment and scale that because that's where the wealth is created. So you can, in three years, build three locations and get them up and operating if that's what you need. Like, you know, we're like, okay, one location nets yeah. me 150 grand, but I wanna make a half a million, so I need three. So you can do that in a very short amount of time in a franchise. You know, comparing that to the entrepreneur who may never own three mm-hmm. because they spent so much time and energy like you did. It took you a long time to get out from underneath what you had built. And congratulations to you because the vast majority of people don't get there.
0: Yeah, there's a, there's a steep learning curve, you know, in the beginning. And and some of those mistakes in the beginning are lethal. Like that that's that's it. Like, you know, it sucks that you had to learn that lesson. And we saw it a lot during, you know, during COVID, when not just fitness places, but a lot of brick and mortar shuttered because whether their leases weren't negotiated correctly, you know, they were levered in certain places, they didn't have good relationships with their landlords, the, the personal guarantee they had. I mean, on their lease, you, you make some of those mistakes, and again, you're, you're, it, it can literally shutter your doors, and you, you have less of a chance of that happening with the support of, you know, the franchise who understands real estate leases that they are very much invested in your success it does not help them their brand their ability to sell franchises when their franchisees uh are not either one happy or
1: two not making it so true and the greatest thing about a franchise if you if we are in a pandemic or a recession is that you're not in this by yourself mm-hmm. you don't have to like I, on instagram today i was just looking at what video we released and it was it was actually me saying that um, don't reinvent the problems of a business, you know, is is it a, re- a recessionary time, a bad time to invest in a business? I don't know. But don't come in thinking whatever you're thinking is the truth. Like go and take your worries or concerns to the franchisor and then validate it out with the other franchise owners. The mm-hmm. people who've already said yes to this, who are doing it. They have the answers, right? And they're not trying to sell you something. So you're going to hear it when you hear them. And if they say, look, our franchise or is done X, Y, and Z, you know, the recession isn't even touching me or, Hey, our business is booming. You would think it was going down, but we, this has been my experience. Then, I mean, they have what you want. Their knowledge is the key. So you don't have to solve the problems on your own. You don't have to identify how, what the concerns are, and you don't have to sit and get in the fetal position and feel like, oh my gosh, if the world, you know, changes tomorrow, what am I going to do? You have this whole support network, and it's not just a corporate office. It's the other family. It's the whole entire family of franchisees. You're all shareholders in the same brand. And the nature of what we do in franchising is collaborative and collective. And if I learn something that makes me top performing, I'm happy to share it with my fellow franchisees because I want them to be top performing. We're not competing against each other. If we all do well, then our brand equity is building and building. And so when I wanna sell my business, that brand equity has more value to the incoming buyer. Okay, right? Yeah, and for
0: those who are nascent around franchising, you guys, the reason why Kim was saying she would share that you have a territory you you have a protective territory that, you know, that's, this is your block radius or mile radius. And you don't have to worry about another franchisee, you know, coming right next to you to outcompete you with the same, with the same brand. Um, so, so can you share, uh, again, maybe you can, or maybe you can't, what are some of the most amazing franchise wars business-wise that like you think do it really well, that you've seen a lot of, you know, happy franchisees, um, and they've just nailed it.
1: Okay. I'll give some specifics. So when people ask me like what's your favorite franchise, I usually say, and I will answer your question today. Are you telling <laughs> me my question's not original? <laughs> no, I love it. But what I usually say is I don't have favorite franchises. I have favorite characteristics. So I am the queen of low, um, low fixed costs, high margin businesses. I there's a lot of businesses that a lot of people don't even know exist as franchises in the home services mm-hmm. space that have been crushing it since twenty twenty. And in a recession, are gonna continue to crush it that most people wouldn't even know are franchises. I do not give people food and retail. Like 20 years, if you want food and retail, I have all kinds of videos on my YouTube channel. You can find out why, but I am not gonna bring food or retail to you. So, but that doesn't mean I don't like brick and mortar. I like brick and mortar wrapped in a membership. So anything wrapped in a membership. So some of my favorite franchise orders though, for looking at like parent organizations, you're a fitness girl. I'm a fitness girl. I love exponential fitness. You must sure. know them, right? Of course. Yeah. Yeah. Club Pilates, Pure Bar, Cycle Bar, uh, Rumble, Stretch Lab, Row House. Um, these are all sister brands under one corporate umbrella, which as of July of 2020, 20- 2021 after the pandemic when they had no permanent closures they did an IPO so they're now a publicly traded company valued over a billion dollars they are the most amazing franchisor in my mind now people say oh you're a fitness girl that's why you say that it's not why I say it they have the most abundant culture I know in all of franchising they are in it for their franchisees they are so bold they will say hey we are in the royalty business Right. And that like catches people off guard, like, because a lot of people, franchisees, candidates are like, I don't want to pay a royalty. Right. And expo is out there, we are in the royalty business. We want your royalty dollars. But you know what? We're willing to help you drive those average unit volumes up so that when you're making more money, that our royalty stream is bigger. Right. So they're yep. in it to drive your AUVs and they're bold about it. And they do it. They do it in an amazing way and always have from day one. I also love there's a home services franchisor out in orange county called home franchise concepts and they're the parent franchisor to budget blinds premier garage tailored closet kitchen tune-up bath tune-up so they have a whole suite of franchises that cater to the nest to the home and they are another they're owned by the jm family Um, which is a billion dollar family and they again they do it right if you'll see a theme to what I'm saying is it takes money to build a franchise Mm -hmm. so the franchises I'm not excited about are typically like a a young entrepreneur who turns his or her business into a franchise they haven't yet attracted private equity they they want to get out there and like grow the franchise and then you know attract private equity what happens in that scenario Anne, is you go out and if it's something sexy, like we have, um, we have a couple of options. I don't want to say them now, but we have a couple of options that are growing like that and they will attract private equity when they get to 50 or hundred units. But you know, you've met private equity, people in corporate America met private equity. Sometimes the wrong private equity company can come in and like sort of change the culture or like rock the culture. Mm-hmm. And, So if you've already have franchisees that bought into one vision and one culture, and then the PE comes in and kind of changes that, sometimes that causes not good things to happen, right? Franchisees revolting, class action lawsuits, like it can get ugly. And so I don't, I kind of try to stay away from those younger pioneering brands that don't have the money yet. I'd rather wait and play with you once you realize you need money yeah. and you have it. Cuz yeah. then the culture of the people I'm bringing in, they buy into that. They don't know anything different.
0: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I wouldn't want to go through that transition of of okay, we've got the mom and pops who started this thing in our franchise and then private equity comes in and they're going to change everything and that's not what the franchisees agreed to and yeah, there's a there's a there's a ton of risk to that. And I, you know, I listen, I have friends in the business, fitness business who have and are currently trying to franchise. And it's a really tough go. They, they're they opening two to three a year. And that is not how you make money franchising. You not have franchise. got to sell that, right. And you're never going to get there. You've got to sell hundreds of units and you need to, I mean, how many how many orange theories are there? It's like 1,200 in the States. Like you're, you have you to get sense. in the hundreds.
1: Yeah, um, so a franchise really is not on path or a stable franchise, a stable company until you get to 100 units. Mm -hmm. So in my consulting world, that's simple and easy for a good franchisor who's ready for growth. That's about 30 individual owners who all buy three territories. And that can happen in six to 12 months in my world. Most franchisors out there will never get to 100 units. That's about the stabilizing point of the brand so you're right if you're not selling and opening because selling is not good if you're selling them you got to get them open but that takes money so these young pioneering people who start franchises and they're uneducated about how much money it's actually going to take maybe they think well the franchisees have the money so why do we need money the franchisor needs money to add support staff, right? <laughs> to yeah. support all these new franchise owners who are so nervous and who've put their life savings into your vision, right? So they're like babies, they need you. Now, once they get to teenagers, trust me, like my teenagers, they don't want you anymore, right? But in, those, in that beginning that I say the six month to 18 month period of a new franchisee, that's the make or break time. If you make yeah. it past that, you're probably safe and good. But man, and because for most people, Anne, they're saying yes for the first time to themselves and owning the, their their yeah. their day, their time. It's their money. So you're it's you're a first-time business owner. And again, for most of the people that I work with, they're investing in companies that they know nothing about. So they're also learning about a new industry and a new company that's yeah. a lot of learning in one year or, or the first you know, six to 18 months. And so you, it's like, you're drinking from a fire hose and we've talked about, you know, success and failure a little bit here today, but you know, you, you said you, you had to get out there and some of the mistakes were lethal. I was over here laughing, but you know what you survive. And sometimes you have the experience is the only real teacher. Like I can sit here and tell you how I became. You know, I made history in my franchise and built the largest franchise consulting business in the history. And I can tell you exactly what I did and how that can correlate to your business. I can read all the books, Tony Robbins and Brenda Bouchard and like all the people, right? And I can have all the book knowledge because I read a ton. But until I take what I'm reading and put it into actual practice and then yeah. see it work yeah, and go, oh, that's how it works, right? Yeah. And sometimes you have the... You know, we do all this due diligence. We're asking all these questions. People get so down into the weeds and they're trying to build this perfect pro forma and I'm like, let it go. Yeah. yeah. If you want the dream, say yes, put yourself in the arena and figure the rest out as you go, because you will just sit there and get into analysis paralysis and never figure out how to say yes. And the reality is you don't even know what you're doing until you get in there, make some mistakes, live through them. And then go make it right. Oh my goodness. Yes.
0: You were speaking my language because I, I am somebody who probably needs a little bit of analysis, paralysis. I have a tendency to my foot's on the gas and I don't even know if we're going in the right direction. But if I'm not, I'll turn around and figure it out. Like I I, I, I will go, go, go. And again, I've learned a lot from that. But I have seen so many people get stuck at an ex fiance who 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 did that. Again, great guy, but just you know looking at all kinds of franchise opportunity and and would write 20 page memos for things and i'm like none of this matters because what's good on here doesn't matter if execution it, you know isn't right this doesn't mean this is going to happen and and it's just and i sometimes think too that when people are making those decisions kim they look at other people and think that they had the blueprint or they had something and and no no entrepreneur does i don't care if you're a franchisee or doing it on your own corporately owned You you've got to go in there and know and trust yourself enough. I will figure this out. If we get pricing wrong, we got to change pricing and do it. If we get X feedback, if, okay, great, construction is going to be delayed two weeks, what does that mean? Does that mean we need to start trainers later? And there's a famous quote, I don't know who said it, but it's just like, all businesses is solving problems. So if you don't like to solve problems, don't go into business. And You need to have those expectations because where people where i see people get frustrated is when they expect something to go a certain way and it goes a different way and you just need to expect that all these things are going to happen that you didn't plan for and you're going to learn from them but you got to be cool under pressure and be able to figure it out and pivot along the way it is the most in my perspective the highest character character trait you need in any sort of person who wants to dabble in business and entrepreneurship. Yeah.
1: A grit and adaptability. You're yeah. so spot on. If you can't see the video, I'm like, yes, yes. Yes. Yeah. So good. It's sort of like when you become a mom, like if somebody told you how hard like even just birthing a baby actually was like would, nobody would do it. Like you, mean, you can't even know how hard it is until you do it. And right. then You're raising these kids and there's no there's no book on how to do it. Like you're making it up as you go, like it's right. a big science experiment. But once you're in, you got to be all in because once you have that kid, you're in. Right. So but like you, it's so satisfying as you watch and them grow and change and develop into, and you see your mentorship of them kind of like developing their personalities. And that's the same thing in a business. If you're building this from scratch and you watch it and you get a little bit of success, it's so addicting. And mm-hmm. then you want more and it's that momentum. We, And that's where like a franchise, a really strong franchisor can help these first time business owners create that momentum early. It's so important, that positive momentum that then we can latch on to and, uh, and and have that hope. Cause that hope is so important. No, yeah. hope, really, right? You have to be, um, you have to keep believing that I'm doing the right things and you don't have to worry that you're off track because there's people there who've been here, done that, and they should be kind of monitoring what you're doing to help you know that you're on the right track, even if you're not seeing the result. Like we can relate it to fitness, right? I was a personal trainer or at least just women who diet. Like you go to the gym, you don't go to the gym and do one workout and be like, oh yeah, like where's my muscle? Well, working out doesn't work. But that's what people do in a business. Like six months in, they're like, well, I did it and it didn't work. And it's like, (laughs) no, you have to repeatedly put your head down and show up in that gym and do it on the days you feel like it and do it on the days you don't feel like it, right? You have yep. to progressively increase your weights. You have to you have to eat correctly so that you can see the muscle that you're building. You have to sleep. There's so many factors that contribute to when your body is actually going to reveal the muscle you built. It's not the same formula for everybody, and that's the reason why nobody can tell anybody in a franchise when you're going to be successful, when you're going to cash flow, how successful you're going to be, because it's the exact same scenario. I use my personal training scenarios and my gym scenarios all day long it's mm-hmm. the exact same scenario. So yeah, to wrap it all up. Like if you're an entrepreneur, um, you're, 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 you're building the gym. If you're a franchisee, you're, or, I'm sorry. If you're an entrepreneur, it's like, you're walking into the gym with no knowledge of how to work out. And you're just fumbling around trying to figure it out. If you're a franchisee, you're walking into a gym and assigned a personal trainer. And the mm-hmm. personal trainer is going to give you an effective program to make your time efficient. And effective, and be there to coach you and support you and help you pivot when things aren't working or are working, or when you're injured. Right? That's what a good personal trainer does, and that's what a good franchisor does for you when you're a business owner.
0: Awesome. So let's let's go. Let's recap, our folks. Here. So if you guys have ever been thinking about being an entrepreneur, or owning a franchise, one, this is a no-brainer. Uh, reach out to Kim. We'll tell you how to in a second. You don't have to pay her. Someone else will pay her for her to give you all of this knowledge and help direct you and guide you and answer all of these questions. Kim, I don't think that people know people like you exist. I think when people, they don't, they think like, oh, I'll reach out to the the company itself. But it, this is a situation where it's so nice because you have plenty of, of options and all these folks are gonna, you know, potentially pay you for finding the right person, but you have built your business off of having su- successful transactions with those people, happy franchisees who've worked with you, who've been placed with the franchisor, where they have a symbiotic, and harmonious relationship, so it's just like wh- why why wouldn't you why wouldn't you do that why wouldn't you work with someone that can give you some guidance answer some questions and who has a ton of service, you know, in the business. Um, so that like is like my how to is like reach out to Kim. <laughs> it's just that simple. Um, but but there can be again thinking through the personalities, and I think which you would help them with anyway of what do you want your life to look like? What is the goal here? Because sometimes a lot of times there is a mismatch. And what we end up doing and what we and what we wanted the goal to be and it's like this is nothing like i thought it would be because we got caught up in this big picture without understanding you know the process of things and listen i've created a lot of net worth for myself at solid corp and you know what i have loved every minute of running building and creating that company i find so much joy like it is my gift to the world is i want to create things that don't exist figure out how to build and scale them that make people's lives better and happier. Like I love working on all aspects of that knowing that that's the outcome that's there. I love solving problems. I I I I love being able to create something that didn't exist in someone's life before I created it. It gives me a lot of joy.
1: That's amazing. I love what I do too on the same level of passion because I people come to me, they're like Putty that needs to be like molded into something, right? They're looking yeah. for an outcome in their life. And I have the relationships and the experience and the knowledge and can set them on their way and kind of breathe life into their dreams and then, you know, push them out into the world of franchising and then help them to feel confident that they can say yes to their dreams. So, I mean, I'm super blessed to do what I do for 20 years. I would love to work with anybody. And, you know, I've all along the way, I love to say, like, I'm helping all these other people achieve their dreams, but I'm also over here achieving my dreams. I'm a small business owner, figuring it out every day, becoming top performing, driving, you know, more and more scale in my business, developed, you know, my social media and, you know, the first yeah. consultant really kind of using the Internet and social media to drive education and, and, and then therefore lead flow. So I'm out here figuring it out every day too. But the more that I figure out in my business, the more it I get to become, the more I get to give to you yeah. as your coach. Yeah. That's awesome. Um,
0: and guys, you you have really missed it from before, but Kim rattled off a bunch of franchises. I think that sometimes we think that, you know, I didn't even know some of those companies existed. There are franchises in every single different business vertical out there, whether it's at home care, cleaning sounds like handyman, fitness, yes, retail restaurants, you name it, but like every single vertical has franchise options in it. So important to know that if you're sort of like, oh, well, that, that's not for me because, you know, I'm a plumber. There are plumbing franchise opportunities.
1: Yeah, and good ones. You can make a lot of money in the unsexy business.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. So Kim, I, I always uh, I have a group of questions. That I always ask the guests at the end of the show and I pick one just based off of how things have went. And one of my favorite ones that I go to a lot is we all define success differently for us at different points in our life because we go through different chapters. So what does success mean to you when you put your head on the pillow at night and you're like I had a successful day? How do you know if you had a successful day? So
1: my definition of success is I I'm a freedom girl like I I want to wake up every day. The reason I'm so passionate about what I do is because I 100% control my time. And I figured that out when I was 25 years old. I worked for one company for one week and realized that franchise company, like I had to, not because it wasn't a great job, but I needed to pave my own path. And so um, I success for me is serving other people, living the life that I want, having time in my day to go to the gym, to be with my children, to have balance in my life, take time for myself and God, um, and to just wake up every single day living my dreams. My absolute best days, not to take away anything from the consulting I do over the fall, but on Tuesday of this week, this very week, we recorded uh, 16 new videos for YouTube. So my best days are when we're in studio making new content for all of my followers and my new followers. I find more pleasure And just educating people about this topic that is so i'm so passionate about i am passionate about franchising because this industry has changed my life and i've watched it change so many other people's lives and i know no matter where you are in your career your invest you know with your investments um you feel lost there is an opportunity in franchising for anybody who's willing to raise their hand and say, show me what's out there.
0: Yeah, it's so cool. Kim, you get to help people's dreams come true. It's like you're a genie, you're a Latin. It's like, you know, people want to step into the American dream and you get to help figure out what that looks like. Um, I love that. That's amazing. And it's very clear that you are super passionate um, and love what you do and, and that those are the best people to, you know, to work with um, because it just it's very clear. I feel like you have people's best interest at heart and wanting them to learn and educate and and have the life of their dreams and have control of their time and their freedom and owning their business and feeling like they're contributing hiring people job creators you know there's all kinds of amazing feel-good benefits to being a business owner um kim where can people learn a little bit more about you what you do and potentially signing up for your services
1: the best place absolutely is my YouTube channel. I'm on all the socials, but please go to TV, And we have over 500 videos and more coming out every week. Um, I'm also on Spotify, iTunes, Apple, Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn. I'm across all of them, but Kim Daily TV is the best place to start. You can branch out from there and all of my contact information. Watch a couple of videos. It'll be very clear how to reach out to me if you're ready to begin your journey. Uh, my email, my links are all there in the descriptions. Amazing. Well, you were such a delight. Thanks
0: for all of the energy, knowledge, education, and just, again, passion that you have for this business. And I'm sure you're going to ignite a flame and get a lot of people excited about these, these possibilities. Thank you for the opportunity today, Anne. Awesome. Thanks so much. Hey, everyone. If you are loving these how-to podcasts, I would greatly appreciate you to follow, rate, and review. It helps us get these podcasts out to more people who are looking for these actionable items on how to make real progress in their life. Thank you so much. You know I appreciate you.